For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Uh, hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Paul Crawford, who I believe has got many stories for us, but at the moment, the founder and CEO of Panther Milk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of the stories might not be able to be broadcast <laughs> that far after, Derek. But um, no, yeah, um, thanks for having me on the show. Eh? No, I'm delighted. I don't know we've spoken about it for a while and glad to get you on, but I think everywhere I turn at the moment, there is this drink. <laughs> and that, that probably says more about me being in too many pubs or, <laughs> or going to too many gigs or festivals or whatever, but everybody seems to be talking about this Panther Milk. Uh, I'll let you describe what that is. But yeah. I'm, I'm very keen to touch a wee bit on what it is, a bit about yourself, how you got to, to make this and, and the background behind it as well. Cool. But for those that are maybe watching or listening that don't know what Panther Milk is, yeah, how would no you worries. describe that? It's, I guess it's kind of like, a, well, it's the world's first oat milk alcohol brand, mm-hmm. um, which we discovered when we launched. Um, nobody had actually done any plant milk based alcohol it's brand. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, eh? Which I was really surprised about. Um, it's actually inspired by an old Spanish drink called Leche de Pantera. Sure. Um, so, dialing back, I used to own the sub club many years ago. So, I worked in the sub club from 1991 to 2012. Right, okay. Um, and I'd done every job in there from unblocking toilets to uh, eventually, I promoted my own nights at Initially, that's sure. how I get started. I used to run a, a club night called uh, Cool Lemon many, many years ago. Right. Well, before that, it was called Dream, and then it went to Cool Lemon. And did that start in '91? That started in '91, yeah. So, and before that, I ran a kind of illegal breakfast club, <laughs> right, afters, okay. afters club. Brilliant. Um, <coughs> it's so, funny to hear that because without making you feel a wee bit old, right? I was I was born in '89. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the '90s was the the golden era, uh, you know, the sub club or the dance music yeah, scene, and yeah. and myself and a few of my mates often hark back to, oh, I wish we would, wish we could have experienced it back then. You ah, know? it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was because there's not there's been nothing like it since, and I guess it's kind of it's hard to imagine how there will ever be anything like it because it was just so new. I mean, I I, I think I was about seventeen when I started getting into. Um, like house music basically, early house music. I was into kind of hip hop and stuff before sure. that and used to listen to a guy called Jeff Young in Radio 1 who was kind of like playing, you know, hip hop and early house music and stuff. And me and my pals uh, started going into town and I, I was from Cumbernauld, Cumbernauld right, okay. boy originally. Couldn't wait to get out right enough <laughs> once I got to about 17, 18. Um, <clears throat> and we started going to clubs in Glasgow. Um, Colin Barr actually took me a... Uh, the sub club, one of my first ever uh, trips to the sub club, um, because he was DJing, he had a night called Fresh back in the day, and he was DJing in Cumbernauld, and me and my pal just uh, was DJing a pub called Reflections, very, very 80s, 90s kind of <laughs> name, and um, me and my pal just started talking to him about the tunes he was playing, because we were right into the tunes he was playing, and uh, eventually at the end of the night he said, oh, I'm going through to Glasgow if he's wanting to come, come to me, I said, well, come to me, I was like, where are you going? He said, um, Going to sub club, <clears throat> and I'd heard about it. I'd been in it actually before it was a sub club. It was called Lucifer's, right? And uh, I never knew that. Aye, aye, aye. aye, aye. So that must have been nineteen eighty six, eighty seven, and uh, and then so anyway, he 
took us outside and he had this, I can remember, I'll never forget it, this beautiful 9-11 Carrera, this white horse, and I'm like 17, 18, wee boy for a council. Don't so usually see that come from the other I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I ended up in the back seat with his records, so I squashed in, and then we went into the subway and he got us on the guest list and everything. And that was kind of like a, a pivotal moment for Absolutely. me because it was such an eye-opener to this other world. Um, so I ended up promoting my own nights, eventually ended up in uh, 2002 getting involved in a management buyout, bought, bought the club over. Um, and do you think that's because you fell in love with it for your earlier experiences? Eh? I, yeah. I mean, I was a punter before, uh, I was like the club I always wanted to play for, aye. do you know what I mean? It was like one of those kind Standing of things. Standing outside with your shirt. Aye, aye. I mean, <laughs> I, I used to go when Slam ran Atlantis, which was the weekly Saturday, I was there religiously every week, Brilliant. every single week I would be there. Um, and I get so I bought, I was like a fanboy. <laughs> so I got when I got the opportunity, that's what inspired me to go and run my own club nights. Sure. And then I knew the owner just from being there all the time. And uh, he eventually asked me, did I want to come and run a run a weekly Friday at the sub really? club? Um, and I done that for a while. Um, that was a cool lemon night. And then uh, they asked me to come and work for them as a promotions that's manager. Brilliant. Uh, so that was how I got started. But to, uh, there is, there is. A, I feel like a bit Billy Conley here, a wee, a wee bit of a tangent, but it does come back to the Panther Milk here at Absolutely. some point. So basically, we used to run these uh, kind of club events as part of the fringe of Sona, the right, you know, in the, Barcelona, uh, Barcelona yeah. uh, the music festival there. So <coughs> we'd went, uh, somebody took us to a bar in the Gothic Quarter called right. Vista Bar that sold this drink called Leche de Pantera. And uh, that's one of the stories I can't tell you. <laughs> I mean, we got smashed on that. Um, but I was drinking it like it was just milk. Aye. It was so easy to drink. And then it was like... Again, this like, should come with a warning. It is, it is it too easy to like drink. That Billy Conley, you get drunk from your legs up. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I went out and I was like, whoa, outside, you know. And then uh, I, I can't really say too much of what happened in the night after that. But... Uh, we, me and my friends, Harry from the sub club and Dominic and stuff, we were telling everybody about this drink. And uh, we went back the following year to the pub and there was maybe about 30 Glaswegians in it, all drink legs of the Pantera. Because you used the word that spread. So some of the young crew, like Jack, uh, Jack Master and uh, yeah. Jasper, Harry's son and Brilliant. all that. And then the following year again, it was it was even more. There was just yep. all these Scottish people drinking legs of the Pantera. So at that point, I thought to myself, I'd quite like to open a wee bar in Glasgow or do something in Glasgow just selling Leche de Pantera. Sure. So a pal of mine, Fergus, uh, who owns the Berkeley Suite in different places, Chinaski's, he'd just bought the old bar 10 in Mitchell Lane. Yep. And um, he said he had this wee kind of space. It was almost like a secret bar. You went through a fire escape. You were in this wee space. Maybe only held about 30 people. And uh, it had an old 1950s goods elevator in it. And he was like, I've got any ideas what I could do with this. I think it's a crack in space. I said, I've got the perfect thing for it. We'll do a panther milk bar. And he was like, what the heck's a panther milk bar? <laughs> I was like, well, it's this drink from Spain. So we were we initially just said, we'll Because just on that, the, the translation is exactly yeah, panther milk. Yeah, it's milk of the panther. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Milk of the panther. So basically, we... <coughs> We launched this uh, this wee bar and it just went bananas, you know, it was just so popular. So it was initially just meant to run for three months sure. over the summer and then we just thought we'll 
can't can't not continue this because mm. it's just so popular. So we just kept it running, and then Vice Magazine actually done a big article on it, and uh, from there it it just went even more bananas. So we ended up, you know, people from Canada, all over Japan, China, amazing, you know, people we were visiting the city because they okay. they read this article in there. Um, so it, it lasted four and a half years until the bar was sold. Um, but at that time, I'd I'd sold my share in the sub club, and I'd uh, I'd started working for a kind of tech startup business uh, called Kilter, which was for want of a better description, a bit like a Scottish LinkedIn. Sure. So I I went there as their kind of creative director initially, looking after the brand and doing all the branding stuff for them, doing events. So we we launched Scotland's first ever uh, street food festival called mm-hmm. Street Festival down at the Barras, <coughs> and. Um, I was working with them and it was quite a full-on job so it, you know it was pretty pretty stressful at times so I didn't have I didn't have any time to devote to the panther milk thing but I always thought I wanted to do something with this um, and then I suppose being around those kind of street fe- uh, street food festivals as well you think there's a place for that though? absolutely yeah. aye, aye. so it, I kind of knew that it had legs do you know what I mean yeah. I kind of knew that there was something in it I always just thought the name Panther Milk was brilliant. Absolutely. For one thing, because it's quite alluring. It's what, what the hell was that? You know, it Aye. sounds a bit dangerous. Totally. <laughs> so, but Paul, um, what, what, just to touch back a wee bit. So, when you had it in Spain, it wasn't the oat milk they were putting in? No, it? no, no. It was full dairy. What, Aye, what, so, what made the change? Were you vegan, Aye. vegetarian? Or well, it, when we had the wee secret bar, it was made with dairy and it was made Aye. with condensed dairy milk. But maybe about halfway through that stint, I watched Cowspiracy, you know, on yeah. Netflix. So and many people did, didn't I, they? Yeah. And I kind of was like, right, I need, to, I need <laughs> to have a think about my own consumption of what I'm doing yep. to the planet. You know, climate change isn't, isn't going away. I mean, obviously, at the moment, it's all about cost of living, which is yep. probably foremost in people's minds, but at the same time, we still have a climate emergency going Absolutely. on. So I'd, I just started making me changes to my own life. So I stopped, you know, doing dairy. I stopped drinking dairy milk, um, I became pescatarian at that point, sure. um, and you know, when when we actually finished in the bar, we always had vegan options, but the drink was primarily made with dairy milk, but when I went to actually look at making it into a proper drinks brand, yeah. I wanted it to be as sustainable as possible, Absolutely. so we played around with various different plant milks, and oat milk was by far the best one, Absolutely. Um, so that's how we ended up there. Uh, Sorry to jump in there, but no, no. I was thinking, you know, it's it's interesting because as you touched on, you know, you've got a climate crisis, you've got more people becoming aware of what they're consuming. It almost doesn't limit yourself, whereas if yeah. you are a dairy product, you're limiting yeah. your audience. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Whereas people that would drink dairy or eat dairy, Aye. they wouldn't notice the difference. Right? No, yeah. I mean, and it, that's the thing. I mean, we've won two gold medals at different international awards with, with the drink. Yeah. Um, when we actually switched to oat milk, um, I actually preferred the taste of yeah. it, um, so it wasn't. Like, it was a bit of a no-brainer. Aye, slightly um, sweeter, and, aye, yeah. and and we gave it, we gave it round, round roads to my friends to try it and everything. And everybody yeah. was like, "No, this is better." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Aye, it's absolutely. actually better. And you know how, especially you know, dairy can really bloat your stomach yeah. and stuff like that, and it can really, especially any kind of lactose intolerance, aye. and you know, you forget about it. You know, um, so that's that's kind of how we ended up back there. Um, so I it kind of, it, you know, I was kind of uh, describing the kind of kilter thing. So that we were literally, so at the start of the pandemic, we'd went over there 
um, over over to Singapore because um, that's where our main investor was was yeah. based in Singapore. They were just coming out the first lockdown, sure. which was a bit weird because uh, coronavirus was only a news story here. Right. Um, so it was kind of weird. that you're getting your temperature taken, going into buildings, everywhere, everybody was wearing masks, and we hadn't seen that yet here. Sure. Um, so it was all very strange, but we we came back celebrating because we thought we'd get a, a big investment basically. So we're just short of a million pounds investment agreed. Sure with the existing investor and he'd brought in a Singaporean billionaire. So we were like, happy days. Nice. So as I said, we're all kind of celebrating on the way back. And then literally nine days after we get back, we went into lockdown and all our customers were in hospitality. Um, I mean, I'd managed to get some, maybe about hundred odd bars, restaurants using this Wi-Fi kind of marketing technology sure. that we developed. And uh, I had the SEC campus agree a trial, Celtic Park were going to do a trial, sure. uh, some really kind of big, big customers clients. lined yeah. up. And, uh, timing couldn't be worse. Uh, timing couldn't Aye. be worse, public Wi-Fi, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> going to be about. So uh, quite, quite understandably, the guys withdrew their offer of investment and literally within 15 days, every day in the, in the Glasgow office was made redundant, including myself. That's brutal, isn't it? Um, that that high to that low. I mean, it was literally within three weeks of celebrating a a big investment. We were all out of work. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of a joke, you know. It was a bit of a, right, what am I going to do here? Absolutely. And uh, as the old saying goes, mother, uh, was it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yep. So I was like, right, I need to. I need to maybe focus on this panther milk thing, you know. I love hearing stories like this, just to jump in, because I feel for so many people, lockdown was terrible, you know, we lost loved ones, you know, people lost jobs, but it gave so many creative people, you know, like yourself, which we're going to touch on, Mm -hmm. that opportunity to really flourish as well. Aye, absolutely, aye. I mean, mean, that's saying is a saying for a reason, because when you're when you're basically on your ass and you're thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, I've got, I had a family support, I've got three kids, you know. Um, I was like, right, what am I going to do here? Mm. I need to do something. I need to do it quick. Right. And uh, obviously, panic sets in as well, doesn't it? Aye, absolutely. And trying to, you know, trying to find a job during a pandemic's no easy aye. either. So I was kind of right, and especially just I just literally turned fifty as well. <laughs> happy birthday, mate! Right, you know, right. yeah. lockdown as well. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> um, so my sister actually got me into meditating, which really helped me through that period. So okay. I'd kind of. Uh, because I was stressed out my box, right. you know, I was, it was a very, very stressful time. Mm-hmm. So I started exercising loads, I, uh, I started meditating every day, and that really helped me just focus on what, I had. A, I was very, very fortunate, and a lot more fortunate than a lot of people, because I'd, when, when this investor came into the tech business, I had a wee bit of worry about my job, so I took out income protection insurance, Brilliant. which is not something I never thought I would Aye. ever do but I took it out it was a pal of mine recommended it at the time and uh, that gave me 75% of my salary for a year Brilliant. basically so it was an absolute lifesaver um, so it just meant and that was before the pandemic hit that was, be, that was before it was ideal wasn't it Aye. Aye. it was so so fortunate Aye. because um, and there was no exclusions about coronavirus because nobody <laughs> knew what it was, was uh, um, so it was really really fortunate um, and it, it just allowed me a bit of comfort, a bit of space to to, to go and exercise and go yep. and meditate. And a lot of people wouldn't have that comfort and, and fortune. So 
I just used the time quite wisely and I, I kind of reflected a bit and I looked at what I wanted to do and then I started working on Panther Milk and just started looking at how you take a drinks brand to market basically. Um, so and at that stage, Paul, you wouldn't have had any premises, you wouldn't have had any, no. you're starting from scratch. I start from scratch, yeah. I absolutely nothing. I suppose and it's not very different to make, making cocktails or making a drink in the back room. Absolutely, actually, yeah. aye, aye. And I mean, launching a drinks brand, I mean, you're up against a lot of big, big players ways, in there, yeah. you know, big, big companies with big pockets and uh, it's no easy. So I started looking basically at investment and how I'd learned a lot through the tech company about investment because we were uh, we were funded by a, a company in Edinburgh called Par Equity, who's like sure. an investment angel investors type company. Um, so I'd learned a lot about investment during my time there. So, excuse me, I'd, um, so I kind of just started uh, looking at the best options for me in terms of investment and what I would do to try and raise money because right. I knew I'd need, need quite a bit of money to be invested in the business. Um, and I started actually going down the crowdfunding route that because okay. we'd built up a bit of a cult following in Glasgow. Um, and I thought, well, we've got this customer base, we've got this kind of cult following, yep. so maybe crowdfunding might be the way to go. So I started, I, I invested a bit of money in a, a programme that kind of takes you through from your idea to actually going on to one of the platforms like Crowdcube or Cedars and sure. launching. Um, so I kind of was halfway through that programme um, and I built out my lead investors. So I spoke to some people that I knew about potentially investing and I had a bit of money promised mm -hmm. to me in terms of investment. And, and then I got a... An email pop into my inbox from the BBC asking if I'd be interested in doing the Dragon's Den. And that's really interesting because I always think people go to Dragon's Den rather than they mm. come to you as well. So. Aye, well, I didn't know that either. Aye. I mean, that was something I, I, I didn't know that they've got researchers and stuff that go out and pick businesses that think some of the Dragon's Den like. That's really good. I mean? It so, makes sense as well, aye, doesn't it? Aye. Aye. I mean, I think they get thousands of people applying every year yeah. as well for it. So, but they've also got these people that go out and kind of cherry pick. Sure. I mean, we were only literally six months old when that. In fact, probably not even six months old. I think that happened in the March. I think that popped into my inbox, and we we kind of launched in October. Right. So, so I was a bit taken aback for one right. thing that the, I was getting asked. But I suppose they look at early stage right. kind of startups. Were you um, skeptical, or were you like, "No, nah, I need to do this"? Well. No, I was sceptical and I kind of said no at first. I was like, nah, mm. this isn't for me, you know. Right. I've already got, I'm, I'm halfway through this programme and I right. paid a few grand to go on this programme to take me through. So I was kind of like, nah, this isn't for me. My first reaction was nah. Honestly, nah, right. I'm not doing this, I. I was kind of like, nah, I'm not doing this. It's also like you're, you're putting yourself out there. You Absolutely, know, it's like if, if you don't get invested, do you think my way looking like a dick? Aye, aye, totally, <coughs> aye. totally. So I'd mm. kind of... My first reaction was to say no, but the guy, the guy who was the, he was an assistant producer on the show, he was from Scotland, from Aberdeen, and he kind of used to go to the sub club and he studied in Glasgow and all that, so he was kind of like, I quite, trust this guy, ah, yeah, he was quite good at He's all right. chatting, chatting to me and talking me around, and, and uh, so I got into a few conversations and I was obviously spoke to pals and family and all that about what do you think, 
and it was kind of split. It was some, you know, it was yeah. a bit, wasn't it? Everybody, I would have thought maybe everybody would go go for it. That's it. But some people were like, nah, nah, you don't want to do that and everything. I think that's maybe a Scottish thing. Aye. Uh, you know, Aye. It, it's that hesitation or yeah. Stockholm said, I, I, I don't know, like, oh, no, no, what they try to scam you? Aye, yeah, what do they want for you? And I'd, I'd been reading, actually, I'd been reading, coincidentally, I'd been reading uh, Alex Ferguson's book right. at the time. Brilliant. And uh, there was a chapter in it, and I'd literally just read this chapter just before this all happened. It's funny how fate works sometimes, but... You always uh, remember these things uh, as well, don't you? And, he, and there was a bit in it, and I just, it always just sticks in my mind, and he said, if an opportunity, I'm a believer, that if an opportunity presents itself to you, you mm -hmm. should grab it with both hands. Yep. So that kept going through my head, and I was like, right, I think I need to, I don't need to give this a shot, I think, you know, because I just thought, well... The publicity, Absolutely. even if I, I always I had this wee <laughs> fantasy idea in my head as well that I would go on the show and if I got offered investment, I would just say no. <laughs> I beat it. I got off. <laughs> I, I, I mean? But unfortunately, <laughs> I bottled it. <laughs> but um, I, I ended up, as I said, I, I, I went through the various different processes and kept getting through each stage. Sure. And then eventually... Were you nervous? I can imagine weird. that's quite a daunting it experience. It was weird, I, because uh, it was a, a, a bit weird and a bit surreal because, as I said, we were so young. We were yeah. only four months old, really, in terms of being a, a drinks brand. So it was kind of like, this has happened so quick. And um, I, kept, I, I kept a bit uh, old Alex's <laughs> nagging thing <laughs> in the back of my head. You know, I kept going through Take it. And I thought, right, I'm just yeah. going to go for it here. Um, because I can always say no. I kept thinking, well, if I get offered investment, I can always say no. And I kept thinking to myself, as long as I don't look like an asshole, That's it, eh? then it's not really going to damage yeah. me too much, you know, or the brand too much. So uh, so I ended up deciding to go for it and uh, eventually just kept getting through each stage. I mean, it was weird as well because we were in lockdown. I didn't go for an edition as such. I okay. had to do a video thing. Ah, right. Aye, so I had to record Because I think for those that watch it in the telly, it's as if, I would imagine, people think you're turning up for your first time. Aye. You know, there's no been stages behind the scenes. Aye, aye, no, there's quite a, yeah. a rigorous uh, process that you have to go through, apart from anything else. They have, you have to go through, like, a, a BBC due diligence. Right, OK. Um, so they go through everything. You go right into your background, stuff you've said in sure. stress, everything. Just don't know. ask you about that night in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, that was the end of press. It was quite a rigorous due, dil due diligence process you have to go through. Sure. Um, and then, because, I mean, they, I remember they'd even, they even uh, called me one day and there was a thing years and years and years ago when there was a tragedy at the Arches nightclub. There was a girl died in there mm -hmm. after taking ecstasy. And I could kind of wee bit set up uh, by one of the newspapers and they'd kind of called me saying they were doing a big article on uh, ecstasy and clubs and drugs death. And I'd left the subclub at this point in time. Sure. And they'd, they kind of asked me for my thoughts on it. And... Uh, I'd, I'd kind of said at the time that I thought if they decriminalised drugs, Absolutely. then there's probably less chance of that type of thing happening because, it, you know, the, the problem probably was that... that what's in these tablets? Yeah. What's in them, you yeah. know, and what the, the dosage is that people don't yeah. know, you know what I mean? So that, that, that was my response and then... And I think for many that is a, a sensible, logical, I, you know, response, I, but... 
it's a, it's a practice that's worked in other countries aye. around the world, Absolutely. you know. But, aye. but you, you can see why that could be sensationalised by aye. the media. So the, the next yeah. day, the headline was former club boss calls for drugs to be legalised. <laughs> um, so I felt a wee bit set up by that. So the Beeb the yeah. called me and asked me about this. Really? Know, yeah. aye, as part it's of outrageous, the, isn't it? Process. They just want to cover their own backs, aren't they? And yeah. I, to be honest, I, I just answered it the way I answered it there. Yeah. And they were like, fine, I think. They were just wanting to see if that came out yep. after the show, that what I would say about yep. it, you know. So just a lot of arse covering, probably. <laughs> aye, know? absolutely. Um, but, uh, aye, but that, so that so I ended up getting the, the, the date. and uh, It was June last year, the end of June last year, to go down and actually pitch to them. Right. Yeah. Who, was, who was on the panel again? Because it was Deborah meeting that then aye. said that she would invest, wasn't aye, it? Aye, aye. aye. So it was Peter Jones, Stephen Bartlett, That's right. Deborah Meaden, Sarah Davies, and uh, Tucker. Tucker, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I actually thought, if, if I remember right, cause it was a, a while, was it a few months ago it was in? It was broadcast at the end of March. Aye, right? so aye. And they were very complimentary, you know, even aye. those that didn't invest. Aye, aye. aye. I, mean, yeah. I mean, again, the magic of television, on the actual show, I was the first one on that particular show to right, go. Okay. But on the actual day, I was the last one to go. Okay. So they told me to be there midday. Did so you have to go down to London for this? Uh, Manchester. Manchester. Manchester, Manchester it gets filmed. Aye. So, um, so they told me to be there at midday. Uh, me and my girlfriend left Glasgow early, drove down, just stayed overnight in Manchester. Um, but we'd, we got there about half 11 in the morning, plenty of time. And then uh, I didn't pitch till half eight at night. You're joking. No. What the hell? That's a long day. That's that, a right? long day. So again, if I, I think uh, if I hadn't... And you could be overthinking that, that all day, couldn't you? Well, I, the thing was, so at the start of the day, you're in a thing called the green room, and it's like everybody who's pitching that day is all in that room. Right. And they've maybe got three dressing rooms, so as the th- everybody moves through, you end up getting a dressing room. Got you. But, um, so it was maybe halfway through the day I ended up getting a dressing room, but uh, I, you don't... It's kind of like I, I was... I ended up getting my pitch completely ass over to it because I, I just was overthinking You've over it, it so many times in your head, eh? And again, if I hadn't started meditating, I would have probably had scalped a couple of bottles of panther milk <laughs> and out and made a complete ass of myself. Aye, aye. <laughs> but um, luckily, I, I was doing meditating, so I meditated about three times. Really, on that day? Yeah. yeah, I just had to be 10, 15 minutes out uh, meditating, which just brought me, calmed yeah. me down and just gave me the headspace to, kinda, uh, to chill out and no worry about it. Um, and then I, by the time I, because it's alcohol as well, that's why I was last. It has to be over a certain uh, time. Because yeah. I think they, they don't want the dragons tipsy. Uh, with their right, money. okay. Uh, okay. Um, so <laughs> Start regretting their decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so I think by the time I went out, I could tell... As soon as that lift door opened and I looked at them, and it was quite funny, I don't know if you remember, but I picked a bit of music from my Glasgow That's band right, called, yeah. uh, the Glasgow band called Den Han, who used to play at the sub club and stuff, and they've got a track called Release the Beast. And Brilliant. It's, it's got this kind of big roar, like a panther's roar or a lion's roar at the start of it. So I'd ask for them to put smoke and lasers and That's all that and play this tune <laughs> as I came out the lift. So it was so it was quite funny. I could see them all perched that up. That sets you apart, especially at that time of night. Well, it, yeah. I, I didn't know I was going to be at that time of night, but it definitely <laughs> perked them up a bit, you know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, But I could tell, kind of instantly, I could tell by 
some of the body language that they, they will just want to go home. Really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know, I can tell Peter Jones had checked out. The thing is, again, so each dragon has a, a set amount, I think it's 300 grand per series to invest. Okay. So if that's gone and you're on at that time of night? So yeah. all day, I just kept hearing people coming in going, yes, got three dragons Aye. and... Yes, I'll get two dragons. Yes, I'll get one dragon. <laughs> the money's yeah, gone. I'm just thinking <laughs> that pot's going down, right, down, yeah. down. So, <clears throat> by the time I went on, I could tell there was a couple of just knackered wanting mm -hmm. to be up the road. I mean, they'd probably have been there for 13, 14 hours. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so I'd kind of, I'd done my pitch, which I think went pretty well. Uh, and then we get into the nitty gritties. But three of them all loved the name. All loved the brand, Brandon. all were really complimentary. Yep. Peter Jones was really complimentary about it. I think I had Stephen Bartlett on the hook, who was one of the ones, I, I, my, my two that I wanted sure. when I were on the show was uh, Stephen Bartlett and Debra, Debra Reading. Yep. That would have been my, my dream duo, if you sure. like. Um, and he asked me, but Stephen Bartlett asked me a question, uh, what was my marketing strategy? And I can remember... Uh, because marketing is basically my background, so yeah. basically the sub club and everything. I've done mostly all the market promotions, marketing, done a lot of that stuff. And I was so focused on the figures that my sister says there's a thing your brain does called chunking. So if you're really, really focused on something, a simple question can sometimes throw you off. Yeah, and that's what happened. So I started waffling a lot of shit <laughs> about basically uh, influencers and uh, festivals and yeah. blah 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 and it was just no, no have you got a marketing strategy yeah. and at that point I just thought well I'm not going to I'm not going to just keep waffling so I just said look I don't know the, all the answers here that's mm. why I'm here because I, I wanted to say to him well you're the marketing guy <laughs> you know I'm not going to tell you how to it's that old saying you don't teach your granny how to suck eggs or something aye. but I think I had him up until that point I think because that we exchange and because he was really complimentary, liked to drink, liked the brand, everything, but he just kind of was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to put too much into this. Um, so he bowed out, and then I, I think, well, I think a few of them bowed out before him. Uh, I called uh, Sarah Davies, Sarah. <laughs> so she's Sarah, gone. And I uh, kind of knew she was straight away at that, uh, annoyed her, I think. Um, Come on, no, get over it. I know, I, I could tell she was a wee bit prickly after yeah. that, you know. I was like, oh, God. I, but, uh, but luckily, uh, Deborah saved my blushes. <laughs> but were you, because you pitched a lower percentage, didn't you? He says that I want to give you, was it 15%? Aye, so I'd went 7.5%. I'd yeah. asked for 50 grand. Um, but bearing in mind, I already had investors lined up at a valuation, <clears throat> which was significantly higher than that sure. so i had i also had the investors that had already promised me money in mind i didn't sure. want to devalue yeah. what they were investing so whilst obviously a dragon brings more than investment yep. so do a lot of these guys because a couple of the guys i've got as investors are industry guys sure. you know so just because they're not on the telly invisible doesn't mean they don't absolutely. have the same contacts absolutely yeah. so um so i kind of you know, uh, at that point when uh, Deborah Meaden, she kept very quiet during it all, you know, sure. and she just kind of, I knew she was interested because it, because one, it's a vegan brand, she's been a vegan for three years, yep. um, 
and I could tell she was interested, but she kept, she played it really well. So she just waited till everybody checked out, and she yeah. said she loved it basically. Yeah. Um, but that meant that then my negotiation, my negotiating position was, it was weakened. Yeah, because you thought of the other ones. Then to play offer. Yep. So, um, so I kind of managed to get her. She offered thirty grand, uh, thirty, uh, sorry, fifty grand for thirty percent. And uh, I managed to get her down five percent, but. Uh, and then I done the old went to the wall and all that. <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> Rubbing my head vigorously and feeling my skin. Um, you don't want to come across to a keen, do you? I like know, you and, I, and as I said before, I went on. I had this fantasy of just saying no, no. and walking away because yeah. I knew I had investment lined up. Sure. Um, but also there's that thing thinking, well, maybe they can probably open a lot of doors. And yep. da, 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 da. So. And you're, you're in your own headspace at that time. It's not as if you can turn to someone, nah, is it? You know? No, nah, exactly. Yeah. So I went to the wall and then I came back and I was standing there and I can remember, I was standing there thinking, am I going to say no? Am I going to say no? But uh, Stephen Bartlett was shouting, do it, do it, do it. He was shouting like, Aye. you know, and I had Sarah Davies on the other side saying, take it, take it. Oh, no pressure, mate. And, and I was just like, and I knew in the back of my head as well, you get two weeks due diligence and cooling down right, process after it, so either side can back out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the deals don't go through. Right. Um, so I just, you know, I thought, oh, that would be good for the cameras and yeah. not a fair else if I just say yes, sure. we've got a deal. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's brilliant. What I did, uh, and yeah. since then, he's parted ways, eh? Aye, aye. Right. So um, I've got to say, she's she's been brilliant, though. She's been yeah. really class. Um, I read an interview you done... Uh, I can't remember who it was with, and he says, you know, still got a number, she'll give me advice, she'll talk away. Gave me a mobile number, gave me an email address. Um, I'd explained that I had these lead investors lined up and I was going to go down the crowdfunding route. She, she asked me what my overall plan and strategy was with the business. And then for me, it's always been about building the brand up and then hopefully being so, acquired. Yeah. Um, so I, I make no bones about that, you know. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, the crowdfunding thing can be problematic if you want to exit the business. Sure. So I would advise you get X amount of shareholders or so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up raising, getting a wee bit more lead investment than, it, than I'd originally planned and uh, just went with them, never went to the crowd. Okay. Um, so, and, but she said, when I explained my, my, whole, my whole strategy, if you like, she said, well, I think you'd be better saying no to my offer of investment. Right. Um, and I was kind of like, well, I'm glad you said that because that's what I was, I was going to do. Yeah. And she said, well, look, I'll still, I really like what you're doing. I like you and I'll still help you as much as I can within reason. And she has, you know. She that's brilliant. So a, a lot of the stuff when I was doing the investment round, that first investment round, she gave me quite a good bit of advice. I, if I ever I emailed her, she'd be back within 48 hours with an answer. That's excellent. Um, she got me in. She got she got the brand in another TV show that she was on, um, and she's introduced me to people here and there Excellent. as well. So she's been great. Aye. Good. She's been really good. So overall, it's been a positive experience. I think so. Aye. Aye. I definitely think so. I mean, just those doubts have, have faded aye. away, and you thought I'm aye. glad I've done it. Aye. Aye. aye, aye. I mean, before the before it was broadcast, I was thinking, was that worth it? Do you know what aye. I mean? Because it does take. A lot of effort, you know, because as I said, you're going through that due diligence stuff and everything, and it, you know, it was maybe about two or three. I felt as if at that time it was two or three months 
business development that I didn't do because I was so focused on the Dragons then yeah. thing. So it was kind of like, uh, before the broadcast I was questioning, is this worth it? Aye. But after the broadcast... Did you see a search afterwards? Did people aye. clicking on the website, aye, buying aye, the product? Aye, we managed aye. to get our own Shopify site up and running the day before. No way. Aye, so God, that, you that, can't find it. But aye, the sales... We, we capitalised on that because that's Good. where you get the best margin in your product Absolutely. from selling it direct. So it really that that really boosted us. But I think it's just the validation as well. Yeah. You know the validation that it gives you. Um, it does open doors and it does put you on the map a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean it's like a basically yep. it's like a free advert to three mm. and a half million people or totally. whatever. You know so it almost feels like on Twitter you've got your blue tick now. Aye, you know, aye. They're, they're, one of the dragons has gave you that uh, that endorsement, you aye, know. Aye, absolutely, aye. and I think, so from that point of view, I think it was worth it. Aye, aye. Aye. It's funny that you touched on your marketing strategy and you said festivals and influencers, and they were, you were like, because over the summer, that aye. looks exactly what you've been done. I've seen photos of you know, Martin Comston, yeah. some of the other bands, have you had, was, was Sam Fender? Aye, aye, um, LF System. LF System, aye, which the boys, they, were, they were there. They, they were there nearly every day at Transmit, uh, scooping the panther milk was great. Um, they're absolutely sound as well, really lovely aye. guys. I think they're from Coatbridge, aren't they? Um, aye, and then we've had, as you said, Martin Comston, we've had uh, Guy Moogs, kind of rapper guy, we've uh, loads and loads, Kerry Chandler, loads of DJs that we know, uh, giving it props, you know. Um, again, because my background, part of the... Part of the way we want to do the marketing is in music, uh, design, kind of art stuff and, and events, you yep. know. So part of my original business plan was saying coming out of lockdown, obviously hospitality industry is pretty on its knees in a lot of places. So I would quite like to try and give something back to the hospitality industry absolutely. in terms of events and stuff like that and, you know, be able to hopefully direct some of the marketing budget to operators who are selling panther milk sure. and be able to do stuff like that you know so that was that was part of my marketing strategy it wasn't the marketing strategy <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was part of the marketing strategy because i think it sounds like a cliche with some brands like you know there's more to this it's a community mm -hmm. but when you, you look on your social media it does feel like you're creating a community and that comes from the background that you're in yeah you know you've done the t-shirts for one of a hundred ah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. at the festivals it, yeah. it seems like there's that those people at the start that were that cult following yeah. are still there just now Aye. and it's only grown. Aye, no, absolutely. And I think, uh, again, just quite fortunate uh, because a lot of people have really helped me, you know. I mean, sure. it's, not, it's not just me that's doing this. There's a whole... I mean, my girlfriend works on the brand. She's the brand director, Prena, and she's she she's on at the moment. She's working full time on a part time wage All right, okay. um, till we hopefully get our next bigger round of investment in. Um, but there's been so many other people um, yeah. help me. I've, I've, I formed a wee advisory board and they've been amazing. So kind of guys like was the head of marketing for Iron Brew, guys Brilliant. head of sales for a beer brand and they, they've been really instrumental in helping me. Um, so there's so many people who, helping. Who done the initial branding on the, on the bottles? Because it's fantastic. Uh, it's uh, yeah, really I nice. mean, we get complimented about that all the time. It's yeah. uh, a guy, Andy Skinner, who I worked at Kilter with. Right. Um, and that we, we work together really well. And Andy, Andy's an amazing designer. So I'd kind of come up with the original idea of, because Leche de Pantera, the Spanish drink, has its origins 1920s, 30s in Spain. Sure. So I wanted something kind of art deco looking. Okay. Um, so I'd done a bit of research uh, 
and found all these kind of old cigarette cards and drinks brands from the 30s on Pinterest and yep. just sent them to him. And I had the idea of having a pan for sitting down because I wanted to make it not so masculine. Because yeah, yeah, if it's relaxed. Because yeah. you could have made it look really, really fierce, but I kind of thought, well, our demographic actually 60% female to sure. male, so I wanted to soften it up a bit and make it a bit more feminine. So that's why the pants were sitting down looking at a butterfly with the rays of sun coming Aye. down, you know, so it was just to kind of soften it up a bit. That's brilliant. What's the next steps then? And have you been back to that bar in Spain with us? Well, no, unfortunately That feels not, like it, got, it has to go, ah, are you joking? No, it closed down, closed Maybe down. Maybe you could open up a bar earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I kind of, you know, it's one of those ones I kind of always think, well, because well, there will be opportunities to take it to Spain, Absolutely. for sure. Um, and but I always kind of hesitate going, what if they just chase me out of town? Who's this guy copying uh, what we do best? Uh, uh, but, um, uh, not at all. Uh, but I think we'll, we're just at the stage now that we're looking for a, a much bigger investment. So that seed investment got us through to this point. And we've, we've won, as I said, we've won two international gold medals. Uh, we won Spirits Business, uh, a gold medal in the Spirits Business Awards last year in the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cocktail category. Mm. Um, this year we won another gold medal at the International Wine and Spirit Championships. Um, and it, we scored 95 out of 100. That's amazing. With it. Uh, yeah. Um, we've also won uh, on Trade Scotland. We won the Emerging Brand of the Year. Good. Um, so we've we've just re- this year it's been all about building the brand, yep. and that will continue obviously. But um, we're in talks with a couple of uh, people about potential big investment. Good. So that's that that's the kind of next steps would be to build out a team. Sure. Get people to do jobs that I'm doing that can do it much better than I can. Yeah. Because uh, like there's. You know, I know what I'm good at, I know what I'm not good at. So it's really getting people into their positions that are better at doing it than me. And I think that's refreshing to hear because when someone builds up a brand like this, it's so easy to keep everything, your cards close to your chest and think, yeah. no, I know best. Aye. But the, the brands that really do thrive are those that think, well, come and teach Aye. me. Aye, no. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to have some humility and know, know what your weaknesses are. Yep. Um, and I think it, it's exciting for me, the prospect of employing people and building a team. Yep. And keeping it in Glasgow, I think, is important to me as well. So hopefully we can keep the production, everything in Glasgow, and scale that up as well. Excellent. Um, Where is it just now? Is it Southside? It's Shawlands, yeah. Oh, so yeah. There's, a, the, there's guys at uh, Dark Art Drinks that have worked very closely with me over the years, a couple of years, to, to produce the drink. Yep. Um, and they've been brilliant. And they've got a unit in Shawlands that's all Great. made in. But again, I, you know, ideally, I'd like... For them to scale up as I'm scaling up yep. um, and keep the, all the production in, in Glasgow, that would be the, the dream scenario. Um, and then we're just looking at the UK market now. We're in London, Manchester, Brilliant. Wales. We're, we're all over the UK now. So we're just looking at how... And we've all, also got a lot of interest from the big supermarkets for next year. Okay. Um, so probably four out of the big six have Brilliant. expressed an interest. Um, so again, we're just looking at how we scale up, basically. Sure. Aye. And you've already scaled out with different different flavours as well. Aye. 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 So the, that's the coffee one you've got. Aye. You could maybe stick that in your coffee. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait till later. I need to drive home for after this. Um, but aye, we've, we've got three permanent flavours now. The coffee, the vanilla and the strawberry one. Brilliant. And then we do like limited edition ones like mint, salted caramel and stuff. We'll be doing a special one coming into the... 
Christmas again because it's oat milk. It's, it's a you know get get the Baileys, get the Baileys, absolutely, <laughs> Aye, absolutely, get the Baileys out your fridge and get panther milk in there. Sure. Um, because I think it, it's it lends itself so easily to to the hot drinks. Yeah, you can drink it as a shot. You can drink it long. Yep. Um, so it's quite versatile that way. Good. You drink it yourself. Oh, I think I should be concerning if I had all these bottles <laughs> in, the, in the evenings. No, I do. I, a lot of people ask me, you know, bored to it? And I say, no, well, it's kind of like if you get into, you know, if you're a rum drinker, yep. you drink rum most of the time. That's don't you? it, aye. And I, I do love it. It's um, And I'll drink it as a short or long. It's really nice shaking up in a cocktail shaker and then strained and then with ice and then strained and then a wee sprinkle of cinnamon on the top. Oh, really? Um, but you've got pretty much a banging cocktail because there's four different spirits in that. Okay. So the, and so again, back to the leche de Pantera thing, it, it's normally made with gin, rum and brandy over there. Sure. So we've got in that, you've got overproof spiced rum, white rum, gin, brandy, coffee liqueur and espresso. Right. Um, so there's a lot goes into it. Cause sure. Some people go, oh, it's a bit expensive, but... Yeah. There's quite a lot in it. Absolutely. And we make our own condensed oat milk as well. Right. Um, so the boys at Dark Art Drinks have developed that themselves because we couldn't find one that, that kind of uh, emulsified properly. Sure. So we ended up, they, they've ended up making it themselves. That's it. I don't think people realise the amount that goes in to make Aye. a bottle that size Aye. as well, you know? Aye. And, the, and the wee bottles as well, because the, the wee bottles are quite expensive seeming because. But they, they take the same labour costs as the big bottles. Absolutely. So um, we're just trying to work on how we, as we scale up, how we can bring the cost down a bit, you know, because it is, that's one of the challenges that we've got at the moment. And they're around about 15%. 15%. Aye, so same as Bucky. I remember seeing the, the Vice interview, that you, I think it was Vice, and it, it was saying only a Scottish guy could compare that to Buckfast in, in a positive manner. You know? <laughs> So I was hoping actually I know uh, Lewis Capaldi likes it. Right, um, good. He's drank, he's been drinking it in Banana Moon because um, the pal of mine owns Banana Moon, and he said Lewis Capaldi likes it. So I was I, I managed to get a bottle sent to transmit. To sure. his, uh, well, he's good pals with the boys for LF system as well. Aye, exactly. Aye, aye. Aye, yeah. So I managed to get a bottle sent to his dressing room. Uh, it transmits. So I was hoping He'd post he one. was going to walk out. You know, because he always walks out with a bottle of fast. And I was hoping he was going to walk out with a bottle of pan for milk, but no, this year. There you are, Capaldi. If you hear this, this is, this is what you need to do next year. I know. Support a Glasgow brand. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, hearing your story. Final question for me, put you on the spot. Where do you see pan for milk in the next five to ten years? Well, hopefully I would like to see it as a as going international because I think it's definitely got that potential um, so UK market I would like to see it as the, the number one vegan drinks brand in the UK and then going forward from there I think there's definitely like you could imagine especially west side of America California all around that Bay yeah. area San Francisco I could see it doing really Absolutely. well over in the States I can see it doing well in a lot of territories we've had quite a bit of interest in the Far East really? um, yeah, 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 yeah. because Good. again they don't they don't, they're not so big in dairy milk over there. Sure. So I could see it doing well in Japan. I could see it doing well you know, all over that kind of uh, Thailand, Singapore, kind of round about there. So I'd just love to see it grow and, and go global. That would be an absolute dream. That's it. Um, to see it actually coming out of the UK, coming out of Scotland and Brilliant. flying the flag. It's always good to see Scottish brands do well. And I, I feel that when you've got that Scottish flag behind you, you know, it, it's 
better to push abroad. Nah. And people always buy into this Irish, Scottish yeah. heritage, you know, yeah. and absolutely. Th- this yeah. has got a story in itself, you yeah. know, and hopefully as you do grow, you can keep it in Glasgow, as you I mentioned. Know, as well. Absolutely, that would be the, that, that, that's kind of more important. That would give me more satisfaction than anything, yep. would be creating jobs in Glasgow. Absolutely. That would give me some buzz. Listen, it's going to happen. Aye. I don't yes. need to tell you that it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers, thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Uh, thanks to everyone who has watched or listened to this episode of the podcast. Please go check out Pan for Milk, get some for yourself. Uh, and listen to some previous episodes if you've enjoyed this one. Cheers.